Buongiorno amici. Buon pomeriggio, I will say. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. Welcome back to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and I'm here with my co-host and partner in life, Il Famoso Tommaso. Buongiorno, bella donna. Buongiorno, come stai? Bene, bene. Ooh, it's molto bene. It's Polonese day. <laughs> Dio mio. I was going to say this podcast is about <laughs> our love of all things Italian, but in today's case, it's about Tommaso's love of all things Bolognese. Si, certo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we dive in, a quick fun fact is we hit country... 104. Dio mio. And they, you found two new ones. I No, I can't really tell. I have to go back and analyze every month and see the new ones. It's, it's Botswana. Well, that's well, new. It's, there's, some, there's some obscure countries that are there with three or four episodes, uh, three or four listens. And, you know, there's a lot of them now that were at 104. I think it's amazing. Very, so if, very cool. If you'd like to allow me to make Bolognese for a full week, I will go back and analyze all of them. <laughs> you can make it for a full week. It's eating it for a What's full week. What's the Italian word for bribe? I don't know. So it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. So before we dive into the cuisine of the city of Bologna, which, by the way, has a few other nicknames. Last week, we named our episode where Italians go to eat, but they also call it or refer to Bologna as Italy's most delicious city. And I use the word delicious all the time, so I thought someone else does. I'm going to point that out. And they also call it Italy's culinary city. You don't actually use the word delicious. I use it way too much. That you incredible. Delicioso. 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 <laughs> okay. Before we dive into all that, I would just like to take a minute to address a few queries about our podcast. Queries, like the fancy word for questions. A few people have asked me lately about show notes. I've received some emails, Instagram, direct messages, etc. And yes, some podcasts post show notes on their websites, which detail basically everything they mentioned in their episodes. We don't do that primarily for the simple reason that everything we share on our podcast is for the taking. And to be honest, we've had so many people thank us for, quote unquote, so much invaluable information that helped us plan our own trips. We started this podcast in April of 2021 because we were hoping that Italy would get back open to international travel soon. And since I had absolutely no travel planning business in the entire year of 2020 and most of 2021, we thought, let's just start this and get people excited for when they can travel again. And apparently we've hit the right tone with a lot of people around the globe. Now, 104 countries around right. the globe. But it was also during COVID, it was also a way for us to sort of, you know, get our climbing the walls to yes. think about our own travel. And, and maybe that's why people listened to it because they were climbing their own walls exactly. as well. And it's also allowed me to make a lot of people very happy with the trips I've planned for them. I send my clients to all the restaurants and the castles and everything else that I mentioned on our podcast that I don't actually share the name because I'm keeping those gems for my clients. 
But I want you to know that I reply to every single email or Instagram direct message that I get from everyone that's inquiring about show notes. And I explain the same situation that I've just described here. And I also say to them, I hope you understand. And I'd like to thank the majority of the people that have replied and said they do understand and they'll continue to listen. Allora, let's get into the cuisine of Bologna. Tommaso's been waiting for this for, I don't know, months? (laughs) Almost as much as I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Oh, tell them what you're going to do tomorrow. I'm making a bolognese. From scratch, by hand, every single thing, the tagliatelle, the sauce, everything. Are you making the exact original or are you doing a variation? This is sort of the exact original modified sort of following the original with a little bit of Bon Appetit and a little bit of Tommaso thrown in. Okay, fine. Obviously, we'll get into the ragu alla bolognese, as it's referred to in Italy. But first, let me say that Bologna also offers its fair share of salty cheeses, cured meats, handmade pasta, made with eggs, unlike Umbrian pasta, hearty meat sauces, tomato sauces, all kinds of sauces, and it couldn't be an Italian city without gelato. But the history of the cuisine of Bologna, I think, is super interesting. If you listen to our previous episode, you'll remember that the University of Bologna has been in existence since 1088. And they say that the cuisine evolved from all the students that came from all over Italy to go to the university and they brought their families' recipes. Also, Some students from different parts of Europe went to the University of Bologna as well. So all of that, all of those people brought their family secret recipes and it just contributed to what is now the cuisine of Bologna. I would would just like to throw something in here. After our last episode, I reflected on my time at Boston University and the cuisine which I ate there. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) cuisine is a little bit of a questionable word. we We had a thing called ham hawaiian it was a slice of ham (laughs) with a pineapple with a pineapple and you know it was sort of you know it it was that was bu's campus fair and i just think about when i was the difference the difference of people bringing their cuisine from around the world to to, to bologna and i'm like why didn't i just research you more about going to school in europe at the time exactly i'm sure in 1088 they had Far more refined meals than a piece of ham with a pineapple on it. Yeah. They'd probably never seen a pineapple at that point, but still. The George Sherman Union at BU, it wasn't wasn't the international center of cuisine, that's for sure. (laughs) Anyway, I find it very molto, molto interessante to think about how the cuisine of Bologna actually came to be so famoso in Italia. However, Also, I think Bologna's neighboring cities of Modena and Parma add to the cuisine for their famous contributions. Aceto balsamico di Modena is the creme of the creme of vinegars. The vinegar we buy here that says it's from Modena, indeed it does come from there, but it's probably like the watered down generic version. It's fine, but is it anything like what you eat there? Not really. If you taste Aceto Balsamica di Modena in Modena, you literally will just, your first reaction would be to like think about where to go 
rent an apartment and just live there forever. <laughs> when you're in that moment in Modena, you think all I need is a big slab of a tasty, you know, homegrown Italian tomatoes, a piece of mozzarella di bufala, pour some of this dark black liquid gold aceto balsamico di Modena on top, a little piece of basil and tsh, oh, a little olive oil as well. And that's it. That's all you need. It's also the viscosity is a lot different. There too. Yes, it is. The Indeed, viscosity, it is. Not that it doesn't pour out. Exactly. It sort of comes out like a, a syrup, a wonderful like a slow motion the, movie. Yeah. The type of thing you'd like <laughs> to just bathe in. It's so, so good. We'll get into that a bit more. Also the village or city, I should say of Parma known mostly for its ham and cold cuts as we call them. Parma is very close to Bologna as well. So this was an influence in their cuisine. And all kinds of variety of these cold cuts come from those cute little pigs in the Tuscan landscape. Prosciutto, culatello, coppa di parma, spalla. I could go on and on, but I really don't want to get into the specific descriptions of the different parts of the, the animal that each one of these came from. It's just... I'm going to, you know, for the, other, for the other vegetarians out there and myself, I'm just not going to get into that nitty gritty discussion. Okay. If you love me, go to Parma. Email me directly to Maso Hat. <laughs> <laughs> and we can discuss amongst ourselves. Talk amongst yourselves, among the parts. Yes. <laughs> I will say, just like in Umbria and that village we spoke about, Norcia in Umbria, these cured meats, these quote-unquote cold cuts in Bologna and all of Emilia Romana are basically a respected art in Italy, just like we mentioned in the episode on Norcia in Umbria. A butcher is more popular and more respected than almost anyone. Well, you know, the, the fact is they learned how to use every single part of the animal. They didn't waste anything. It wasn't like today where there's institutional Yes, farming, I know. I know. You know? Yuck, yuck. Well, anyway, no, but I think it's very important because they learned how to use, that's respect for an animal. Yes. You weren't wasting it. True. And, well, okay, but I, they're, these animals also walk around. They they move around. They're not caged. They're not inside. So, right. So it's just part of the respect as, of the animal also. As they say, as they say, we have some farms here, beautiful farms on our little island with these belted galloways that are outside with water view. On either side, they're on the skinny part of our island. They have the best life until, as they say, they just have one bad day. Yeah, and we have a friend with who's has 50 lambs. Okay, let's not go there. They're not going to be killed. <laughs> Abby and I are going to prevent that from happening. Just saying. Okay. Then, of course, to add to the cuisine is Parmigiano-Reggiano, the pinnacle of the Italian cuisine, at least that's according to Tommaso and myself. <laughs> yes. And just like champagne, where in France, where it has to come from a specific region, Parmigiano Reggiano must be made in the region of Emilio Romana to be legit. I just want to say also that pinnacle, when people talk about a pinnacle, they, they talk about this little point in the air. When we talk about Italian food and the pinnacle, it's a very wide platform up there. I mean, there's a lot of things up there. <laughs> True. Regarding the Parmigiano-Reggiano, they have perfected their craft since the first documented mention of this cheese, which was in 1200. 
54. So now when I go on to the ragu a la bolognese, you know, the bolognese pasta, as we call it, but it's ragu a la bolognese, that sauce is not nearly as old as you'd think compared to, for example, Parmigiano. The legend is, well, I think they do know this part for sure, a man named Alberto Alvisi was the chef for the local cardinal in a village called Imola, which is just south of Bologna. And apparently he was the man who invented this infamous sauce. His recipe was published in a cookbook around 1891. So let's assume he created it five, 10 years before that. So it's not that old. Not when you compare it to all the other pinnacles of the Italian cuisine. It might also have become so well-known because it was so diverse from the normal Italian pasta sauces, which normally were tomato-based. A lot of tomatoes and garlic. I was just going to say... Sorry. I was just about to say that a pasta sauce without tomatoes is as weird as a pasta sauce without garlic. And let me just tell you a quick side story on that. My friend Marc Antonio, you've heard me mention from my days in Milano... He was a very good cook, and his girlfriend was also a good cook. She was American, but due to him, she was probably learned a lot. And we were sitting around, well, I should say, we sat around on Sunday nights with his big grandmother's Italian cookbook, planning what we were going to make for that night. And I remember clearly one evening, he's like, okay, va bene, we make this one. And he starts to translate it because Deborah and I didn't know all the words for the herbs, this, that, and the other. He starts to translate it, and then he gets in, he goes, hold on, we're not making this one. There's no garlic. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It was so weird to an Italian to have a pasta sauce without garlic. I just want to say one other thing also, because you just show up with show notes in the studio here. I have a general idea what the episode's going to be about. Now we've mentioned Alvisi as a person who I never knew was the originator of Bolognese. So... The, the things that I think about when I think about Italy, Da Vinci, Canaletto, Guardi, Bernini, now Alvisi is up there. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't know this. I was wondering where you were going with this. Uh, yes, yes. He's, he's, because... it's, a whole, it's a whole new person up there. It's that pinnacle. It's a big platform. All right. You better remember his name. Alberto Alvisi from Imola. Okay. As we kind of quickly mentioned, Tommaso is going to spend all day tomorrow, well, part of tomorrow, making his ragu a la bolognese, and we're going to film it, shoot it, whatever, put it all together into a reel and put it on Kimberly's Italy's Instagram, so okay? you're so not you following s- the Instagram feed, Kimberly's Italy, please follow. And you'll see his results. Or the Facebook page. You can try that too. I don't do that. Tommaso does that. But anyway, we we digress. We'll have it there. I'll be planning trips tomorrow. You'll be making regu a la bolognese. A good day for both of us. All righty. So first and foremost, if you've ever eaten bolognese over spaghetti, you have not eaten regu a la bolognese. It is simply against the law to eat it with anything other than tagliatelle. And I mentioned that to Tommaso last episode. He didn't know. Now he does. He's going to make handmade, homemade tagliatelle tomorrow. The verb, and this is interesting for you, for anyone, the verb tagliare 
And keep in mind when there's a G in the middle of a word in Italian, the G is not pronounced. So tagliare is spelled T-A-G-L-I-A-R-E. The verb tagliare means to cut. So tagliatelle comes from the process of rolling out the dough into a large circle, then folding it onto itself, folding it again, and then you cut it into half-inch strips with a knife. And Tomasa, to be really specific, for those of you that may want to make this dough by hand, if you roll it out on a wooden counter with a wooden rolling pin, the wood surfaces add to the graininess of the dough, which then allows the sauce to cling better. Okay. Makes I'm, sense? Yes, it does make sense. And I, But I'm going to just follow my sword here, and tomorrow I'm not going to be <laughs> authentic as authentic. I have, I'm not of the skill level to roll out that wonderful big circle of pasta with a rolling pin. And the other thing I'm is... I'm going to make, I'm going to use our, our, our pasta machine when I roll it out. After you roll it out. The other thing is we'd have to totally renovate the kitchen by tomorrow with a wooden counter. Yes, exactly. Right? Be like a pasta granny. It's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> All right, and funny enough, tagliatelle pasta itself has been used as a reference to a lot. Ready? Just think of this. A a type of pasta has historically been used to refer to children, beauty, and marriage. So the lore regarding children was, in Emilia Romana, the locals told their children, quote, if you don't eat tagliatelle, you won't grow big. And... To the little girls, they said, if you don't learn to make tagliatelle, you won't get married. That is like old folklore, right? They probably say it to this day. And then the beauty aspect of tagliatelle stems from the old tale that Lucretia Borgia, the beautiful, illegitimate daughter of Pope Alexander, she was the inspiration for Tagliatelle since she had very long blonde hair. And most Italian women normally are of darker color, darker hair. So Lucrezia Borgia was the reason behind Tagliatelle. And finally, regarding the marriage aspect, the old popular Italian saying of, quote unquote, Conti corti e tagliatelle lunghe. That means short bills, and long tagliatelle. So to to find that, the opposite of a big bill or a big expense would scare off the husbands, right? And short, short strips of tagliatelle would indicate an inexperienced pasta maker, which would make for a bad wife. I was born in the wrong century. (laughs) You're still, you're wonderful, dear. Oh, I don't make handmade pasta. That's for sure, because he does it. So I think it's pretty, pretty cool that a single type of pasta has all these references that stem way back in time. And to further impress upon you what an important role Tagliatelle has played in Italy, ready? January 17th is International Tagliatelle Day. (laughs) Every year, January 17th. Put that in your calendar, Tommaso. And think of it this way, this international Tagliatelle Day was, you know, decided centuries ago, way before Instagram made up International Bikini Day. (laughs) The one I saw recently was 
International Glazed Donut oh, Day. And everyone oh. puts up silly pictures. So oh. keep January 17th in your calendar. All righty. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, there are other specialties that Bologna is known for, like tortellini pasta and, you know, the round little pasta filled with cheese and meats, etc. And tortellini in brodo, which means in a broth, in a soup. And it's very popular, but for some reason, I just don't care for that combo. You know, little round pastas stuffed with cheese floating in broth. I I just, I think you'd have to eat it like really quickly to get the good stuffed pasta concept. I just, it's too much like floating stuff yeah, for me. I'll give it a go, but. I did try it several times. That's why I'm saying. Oh. I'm not a fan. Okay. I shouldn't really admit that because um, it is very popular. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you about the other pastas that you can swoon over in Bologna. Passatelli is a more rustic, kind of rustic tasting pasta that has breadcrumbs, parmigiano, and nutmeg folded into the dough. So right there, it sounds a little bit different, right, Tommaso? Yes. And I do like it. It's a little grainy, but I like it with just a simple sauce like aglio olio or sage and butter. But then again, they use this passatelli pasta and put it in broth. Like, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and this pasta is kind of like a thick, um, rough-looking spaghetti shape, just so you know. It's just like, you don't like pappardelle when I make pappardelle. I'm not a huge fan. Right. Right. Well, I'm so picky. <laughs> <laughs> In case you haven't figured that out. Okay, and let's finish with the lasagna. The first time I had it in Bologna, not my very, very first trip, but years later, the first time I had lasagna in Bologna, the pasta itself was green because it was made with spinach. And so I thought as I was eating it, the pasta is green, the tomato-based sauce is red, and the bechamel-type cheese is white. So it was basically the colors of the Italian flag. But they do come in both green pasta and normal. So there you have it. Lots of pastas, lots of cured meats, cheeses, you name it. Bologna is just filled with, I think you should go there for like a month. You could just get your fill of so many different varieties of everything. And you, It's just that I was thinking the month. You could actually go- For permission. Yeah, (laughs) we'll go together. You could actually try a different bolognese every night for a month. Then you'd be that into that court, that category of gorda, remember, grassa. Hopefully, all that we've mentioned about Bologna in these last two episodes will inspire you to go. But remember, do not share this information with too many people because we want Bologna to stay off the radar for whatever reason, as we mentioned last episode, it's just not as popular to the masses. It is to scholarly types and full-on, I, I don't care for the word, but full-on foodies, people that are really, really intrigued by the cuisine of, of Italy or any cuisine. But the beauty of the city with its endless porticos, the world's most stunning academic institution, in my opinion, are reason enough alone to go. But then you add the cuisine to all of that and 
what's not to love? What's not right? to love? You're getting away from quote unquote influencers that we saw yes. in Rome on the Spanish Steps. Yes. And I on the know. Trevi Fountain. And you like, don't know. They could be there doing their influentials, influencing with food. Would they be very <laughs> smart influencers if they were in Bologna? Vediamo. We'll see. Anyway, it deserves your undivided attention and your appetite. Our next episode will be on Ravenna because Ravenna is the hometown of my friend Ana Rita Marini, who is why I went to Bologna in the first place for my very first visit in Italy. All thanks to Ana Rita and her bello boyfriend is why I went to Bologna. And she's from Ravenna and it is stunning, full of mosaics. I just had a client come back from there. She emailed me today. She said, I'm so glad we stayed an extra day in Ravenna. Unbelievable. Ah, right, right, right. Right? So there you have it. Okay, that's next week's episode. Thank you very much, everyone. Grazie mille. Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao tutti.